thank you, youth, for such a dramatic presentation this morning, and for those who worked with them so diligently to bring this to us today, amen. We appreciate so very, very much what has happened here today. Let me, uh, let me uh, also uh, reiterate uh, Brother Steve's comments this morning about the staff and how that they have helped to keep things together during the loss of your pastor and during the uh, time when uh, the loss of another candidate was here, we thank them for their work. We feel that they have done an excellent and wonderful job. Before I minister, I want to do a couple of things this morning. Uh, I understand, uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, last week it was brought to my attention that you have not been introduced to the committee that has been working to select your next pastor as a candidate. Uh, and I'm going to introduce those folks this morning to you and ask them if they would stand. Uh, Cecil Walker has been working with us. Mark Mosier, Bill Taylor. Of course, uh, Bill uh, passed away, and, and uh, we're sorry about that. We did have him on the list. Uh, Jamie Fields, Derek Harmon, and Libby Howard have been working with us. And is there someone else that I have didn't have him on the list here, but yeah, Brother Steve, the clerk, has been working with us also. So anyway, that is your selection committee that's been working with us, and uh, while we have a candidate selected to come and minister to you, uh, until you ratify the recommendation, we're not through. We want you to continue to pray for these uh, members and ask God to continue to touch them as we move forward. I'd like to say something also uh, about the uh, candidate. He was scheduled to be here next Sunday, but uh, he had a family situation that come up, and he is not going to be able to be here. Uh, there is an event involving his children that he's not aware of that he's going to try to make sure he cannot miss, and we understand that. And so we asked if he could come the following week. So here's the schedule. Dr. Uh, Donald Walker will be with you next Sunday. He'll be ministering to you. And then the following Sunday, the first Sunday of May, I will be here with you with the candidate, and we will be uh, able to hear him minister. You'll be able to interview him with the body, and then we will be taking a vote on, on that day. So we ask you to continue to pray about his health. Uh, the committee has worked very diligently and prayed a lot about this, and I know that you have too in the body. And we want to find the right placement replacement for your pastor. Now, you can never replace uh, Dr. Baker. Uh, there is only one of him. And while we would like to, to do that, we know that that is not possible. But we do believe that God has somebody else that uh, can be can step in and can just continue what Dr. Baker established here and his desire uh, for this body. And uh, we recognize that and we seek God for that candidate. Also, if you're here, you're visiting today, or uh, you're a new visitor, or if you're a returning visitor or someone who has attended this church periodically, and, and possibly you didn't know about the pastor this morning, uh, 
then uh, we want to let you know that that is happening by the time that they do we expect it to be weekly it happened pretty soon uh, he announced that uh, he's passing the fair and uh, I tried to explain a little bit about how that process happened last week and I don't know that uh, I did an abridged uh, uh, version of it but I believe that you can go online if you have interest in hearing uh, Dr. Baker and how this all transpired you can go online and listen to his sermon and he explained it in detail as to how this all happened and uh, gave his account of it and uh, which is a, a, uh, a good and an accurate account and so we want you to if you have any questions you can go online and listen to what Dr. Baker shared uh, what brought this thing to such height with that being said let's pray today Father I want to thank you I want to honor you today for this day is a great day it is one Lord that we not only celebrate you and worship you, but Father, we realize the great sacrifice that you made, but also the great event that was joined with that sacrifice that lets us rejoice even more so today because as you were resurrected, so shall we be, and we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, Lord, we shall be changed or resurrected if somehow, Father, we, we leave this earth before your second return. But all of this is so important to us today. So we rejoice in you and thank you for what this day means. Now let us hear the word. Let us be touched by it. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. I want you to turn with me, if you will. I'm going to read in just a moment from the book of Philippians. And then one passage from the book of Ephesians. But before I read the text, I want to say to you that one of the questions when I was pastoring, one of the questions that, that I received quite frequently is, Pastor, how can I change? I want to change, but how do I make that happen? And when listening to that question and, and observing people, I realize that we do a lot of things to try to change. I mean, people try and change themselves physically. I mean, they get Botox, they get facelifts, tummy tucks, um, um, you know, just a lot of different things that they do to try to change themselves physically. But not only that, but they do things to try to change themselves emotionally and inwardly. We're constantly going to conferences and, and listening to tapes and reading books in order to try to make ourselves better. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, while we look for this painless cure that's going to change our lives, most of the self-help books and the conferences we go to, they tell us what to do, but they do not give us the power to do it. And there's the difference. I want to talk to you today about a power that can change your life that's given to us in Scripture. The word power occurs 57 times in the New Testament. And in several places, it is used to describe or to mention the greatest powerful event 
that ever happened. And that was and is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 3 and then in Ephesians, and I want to read it to you. But what things were counted or were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And then in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. The Greek word used there for power is dunamis. It is where we get our word dynamite from. So Paul is saying that God has provided dynamite power for us to be able to experience change in our lives. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Listen, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that works on the inside of you to bring about a change in your life. It is that power that helps us to transform our weaknesses into strength. And because of that, there are three things that this power grants to us that I want to mention briefly to you this morning. The first is this. God's power, resurrection power, will cancel your past. Now when I say cancel your past, I mean that this resurrection power can change your life. Now we're not saying that in this resurrection power that there is a denial that the past has ever happened. You cannot deny that your past exists. All of us have a past. And just over the last few days, I, I have thought about things in my past that I wish I could change. We had someone to sit in our office Friday and talk to the bishop and me, and, and that, that individual was individual was sharing how that he did something uh, back when he was in the military that he wished he could change. You see, we, we don't deny that our past exists, but the power that I'm talking about is the power to help us to cancel out our past. Have you ever started something and, and wondered or, or, or wished after you started it that you could do it over? Or you could start over. I mean, I'm into something right now that's just wearing me out. It's, it's a, an assignment that I've signed up for, and, and I'm telling you, 
I'm thinking now if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't get involved in this, but I am. And I hopefully will complete the assignment. But yet, we have these things that that we encounter and get involved in, and sometimes it involves sin, and sometimes it involves just actions or decisions or commitments that we make. But especially in relation to sin, God's power is the power that gives us the ability to cancel out our past. Now that word cancel means to eliminate, to neutralize, to offset something. And there are a lot of people that said, I, I say, I have made so many mistakes. I've done so many things wrong. How can I ever move beyond my wrongs? And they live a life of regret, and they continually say, if only, if only, if only. Well, listen, you don't need to allow your past to affect your present or to limit your present. Because through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness for you. As a matter of fact, Colossians 2.14 explains it. It says that Jesus, having blotted out or wiped out the handy writing of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, He has taken them out of the way, nailing them to His cross. What I'm trying to say is this resurrection power through Jesus Christ has the ability to wipe away every sinful thing in your life that you're disappointed about or you feel regret over. Has anyone ever seen an etching sketch? My children played with them back when they were small, and my grandchildren periodically do so even today. And Etch-a-Sketch is one of those things that you can draw a design on this little thing and uh, then uh, the ones that I'm familiar with, then you can just shake it. And when you shake it, the particles inside the little screen just wipe away everything that you've created. Ah, don't you wish everything was that easy? Well, it is in relation to your sin. Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ, through the power of the resurrection and through His death, made it possible for every sinful, dark, embarrassing thing that you have done to be wiped away completely and fully. You know, Jesus knows the wrongs that you have done. But let me assure you, He did not come to rub them in. He came to rub them out. And He didn't come to condemn you. He came to change you. For the Bible says in John 3, 17, God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. God, the Creator of the universe, chose to forget your wrongs. Several years ago, I heard a story that Terry Stone told, and it was incredible. He told the story about this man that had failed God. And he knew when he had failed God, and he went off into a season of sin and then came back to God. And through an experience that he had, an angel visited him. And an angel took him into a place where the books recorded all the events of his life. 
And the story goes that the man was very nervous as the books were opened and as the angel began to thumb through the pages of this man's life. And page after page were filled with things that this man had done that were good and accomplishments that he had made. And the man knew that the angel was closing in on the date where this minister had failed God and it went into a season of sin. And all of a sudden, when it came to that date, the pages were completely blank. And then, as they turned over, then it started back up again where the pages were filled. And the angel said this to the man. The pages that were full of writing is what you did for God. The blank pages is what God did for you. I want to tell you, God erases our past. And through the power of the resurrection, we have the ability to have all of our sins taken away. Now, how can God do that? God can do that for the simple reason that when Jesus died upon the cross, the last words he stated were the words, It is finished. And that term, those words, were used of merchants back in that day. When they paid a bill, they would write, It is finished on the bill. And that meant the bill was paid for once and for all. And let me tell you that your sins on the cross through Jesus Christ, when he said it is finished, Jesus was saying your sins are paid for once and for all. You can be free, delivered, set free, completely, fully. Everything can be wiped away. Thanks be unto God because of the crucifixion, his death, and the resurrection to life. My word. What a wonderful thing that is. And let me say this to you. Not only were they paid cash, but they were paid in advance too. That means that even though you may make a mistake today, Jesus has already paid for your sins. In advance, he's made the provision for forgiveness even for those sins. So that means that you need to stop crucifying yourself because he was hung on the cross for your hang-ups and just move beyond it. Rely upon his forgiveness and let him change you and cancel out your past. God forgets. We need to forget. Now let me ask you something. You paid some bills most likely a few days ago, a month ago, a year ago. Uh, how many of you remember those bills that you paid? I, when I pay one, I forget about it. I don't remember the amount. I hardly remember even who I paid them to. Uh, I forget about it. Why is it that we can forget about some things, but we can't the others? You see, God forgets about all of it. When the bill is paid, he looks at his son and says, I can't hold that sin against that person because Jesus took care of it. I've forgotten about that. I've forgotten about it. The old saying is, he's cast them into the 
into the sea of forgetfulness and put up a no fishing sign. That you can't go back. They had been forgiven. Let me tell you, God has given you the ability to cancel out your past through the power of the resurrection. You can be free from your sin. But also the second thing is this. God's power will conquer your problems. You know, someone has said, just as soon as I start to make ends meet, somebody moves in. Or when I just get one problem resolved, it seems like that two take that problem's place. Anybody like that? Anybody have problems? Uh, if you don't have problems today, then um, you might want to reach over to the person next to you because you, you may not even be able to reach. You may be dead. The only people I know that don't have problems are dead people. All of us have problems regardless of your age, regardless of whether you're male, female. You have problems. But here's the problem with our problems. The problem is simply this. We try to solve them in our own power. That's why we're tired, frustrated, and wore out all the time. It's because we try to solve them within our own ability. And God never planned on us to do that. You know how he planned for us to solve our problems? It was to focus upon his promises rather than our problems. If we focus upon His promises as opposed to our problems, we'll find out that they will be resolved. You see, in a sense, we need to stop trying and just start trusting Him. Again, stop trying and just start trusting. And just saying, Lord, I don't have it in my, in my intelligence, in my ability to solve the problem that I'm experiencing right now. So the best thing I can do, the only thing I can do, is to rest upon your promise that says that you will take care of me. He will indeed. You see, you're more than a conqueror. Paul in, in Romans 8 says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? He said, Who shall do that? And then he comes on down. That's in verse 35. He comes on down in, in verse 37 and says, We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. We're more than conquerors. And, and a conqueror means to gain control. The only way you can gain control is through the power of the resurrection that works in your life as you implement the promises that God gives us in his word. Then we can be super conquerors and have overwhelming victory when we depend upon the power of the resurrection. Again, Paul says it's this power that works on the inside of us that causes us to be able to resolve the issues of life. So if you're here today and you're overwhelmed with problems, let me encourage you to rest on his promises. And to know that there is a promise that has been written to resolve the present issue you're in. And if you'll focus on the promise instead of the problem, you can find victory.
I think sometimes we just say, problem, I'm not going to focus on you. But then we start quoting the promise, quoting the promise, quoting the promise, writing the promise down, writing the answer down, the scriptural answer. Put it everywhere so that everywhere you, you look, you see God's promises rather than your problems. And in that, the resurrection power can give you the ability to move beyond that. The third thing is this, finally. God's power, resurrection power, will change your personality. Let me ask you, what would you like to change about your personality? Is there something about your personality you'd like to change? I know we've been taught that our personalities are so indelibly developed within us that they cannot be changed, but that's simply not God has changed a lot of us. People who are hateful, despicable, the Apostle Paul being one, that God's power changes. So what would you like to change about yourself? Or I guess the better question is, is what would you like to change about somebody else? Wife, you may be like one that uh, looked at her husband and said, said, you're too temperamental. said, you're 90% temper and 10% mental. And I know we, we, we say that in the marriage vow, we take them for better or for worse, but one person said, well, they were a whole lot worse than what I took them to be. You know, you like to change things about other people, but really there are things about ourselves that we'd like to change. How would you go about changing you if you could change you? Well, few of us can do that within our own selves. But actually, through the power of the resurrection, God gives us a two-step process to changing our personalities, changing our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And He died for all, that those who live should live no longer to themselves, but for Him who died for them and rose again. If you want to change yourself, the first thing you do is make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You commit your life to Christ, and that's the initial turning point. Now, you say, well, Preacher, I have committed myself to, to Christ. I asked Him for forgiveness of my sins. That's only the starting place, is asking for forgiveness. And when you ask for forgiveness, you become what's called born again. Now, being born again, forgiven of your sins... It's not turning over a new leaf, but it's getting a new life. It's getting a new beginning. It's allowing a different nature to develop within you. And that indwelling nature begins to do something else to change you, and that is to conform you. The first is commitment to Christ. The second is the willingness to be transformed and conformed 
by the power of Christ. Resurrection power. What does verse 2 of Romans 12 say? And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and acceptable will of God. Transformation is the second step to changing your life. Transformation. Now, a moment ago I said it's more than just being born again or asking for forgiveness of your sins. It means that you allow yourself to go through a conversion process. That not only do you say, Lord, I want you to forgive me of my sins, but I want you to change the person I am And changing the person I am means that I go through a transformation in my life because I allow the resurrection power of Christ to continue to work in me and to work out of me those things that I need to have worked out in me. Now, it means that if you have a temper, a bad temper, that's caused you to commit sin, when you ask the Lord Jesus, to forgive you of that bad, the, the, the acts of that bad temper, that the temper immediately may not be gone. But that's where this transformation takes place and God begins to work on the inside of you to the point that He works that temper out of you if you will allow Him to do that. But the problem is, is a lot of people want to be forgiven of their sin that is a result of that temper but they don't want to get rid of the temper that causes them to have that sin. They back up and say, oh, whoa, 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 take just a minute. I don't mind being forgiven, but I don't want to be changed. But you see, God not only wants to forgive you through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, God wants to change you. It's all about changing you, and that can happen. You say, I, I doubt that, preacher. I, I, you just don't know how bad it is. If there's any story that tells us that people can be changed, it's the story of the Apostle Paul. He was a murderer. He was a hateful, envious, religious hypocrite. He was full of evil. But God changed him. Changed him and turned him into something that he never thought he could be. And that's why Paul would say, this power that works on the inside of you, let me tell you, if Paul could say it in contemporary terms, and and he would be here with you today, he would say, listen, folks, let me tell you it's possible. Let me tell you it happens because I am a testimony to the fact that God can change a life not only forgive the sin, He can change a life. He can do it. And it's all because of this resurrection power. I don't have it in a bottle. We don't have it in a sign. But we have it through the Word of God. And the power that resonates through the Word of God is God confirms this Word to us by placing His power within us. 
Let me say it this way. If you want to be conformed, if you want your personality to change, if you want to become something different, a different person than who you are, not only a forgiven person, but a changed person. Let me tell you, it's absolutely impossible for God not to help you if you ask Him and if you yield to Him. So that means that it will happen. Because the force and the power of the resurrection is much greater than any issue that you might have. But there's only one thing that will keep you from changing. It is not the devil. It is not your spouse. It is not your children. It is not your neighbor. It is not another family member. There's only one thing that will keep you from changing. You want to know what it is? One thing. That's procrastination. Your inability to ask and to submit to God to change in your life. But if you submit, let me tell you that the change can start even today as I speak. God can begin to change your life. Let me tell you how powerful it is. I read several months ago about the NASA space and all that it took to launch that spaceship into orbit. Let me tell you something. All that it took to launch that space shuttle into orbit. Did you know it lifts off the shuttle's total thrust? They were launching those. Its total thrust was 7.8 million pounds. To achieve orbit, the shuttle had to go from zero to 18,000 miles per hour, a speed nine times that of an average flight. Now, this blew me away. That's what it took. And in the first minute, it consumed or consumed more than a million and a half pounds of fuel. That's a lot of thrust. That's a lot of power. But you know, there's never been anything physically that's been created or set in motion that's ever able to change a life outside of resurrection power. And a lot of things have been tried. People tried rehab centers. They tried New Year's resolutions. They tried groups. They tried a lot of things. And you may have tried those. But I want to tell you there is a power that has a thrust that can change you. And that is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ.
And the good thing about it today is whether I had been here or not, that power was and is available. It doesn't matter who is not here or who is here as far as physically. What does matter is that Jesus Christ is here. And the power of the Holy Spirit is here. And God is saying to us through the power, through the forgiveness of my Son, and the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit, I can do more for you than what you ever thought possible if you only give me the opportunity. Let me say it again. God's power is here. Will you stand with me this morning? It's not the question of whether God is able. The question is, are you ready? Possibly there's someone that's entered into this place today and you've tried a lot of different things. You've tried this, that, but yet the change has not come yet. And you're willing to try the resurrection power of God today. You make connection with it by simply calling out to God, asking, receiving, believing and the process will begin. It's just that simple. Is there anyone in this place today you would say, Pastor, I need a change in my life. I want a change in my life. I believe it can happen and I want it to start today. Just lift your hand and say, Pastor, Someone else, yes. Someone else. I want the change to transpire. I want it to start. I want to experience transformation change. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Now, is there someone that would like to take a step further and just walk down and let me say a prayer with you? I won't embarrass you. simply pray with you and you're dismissed and you'll be able to go your separate way today and enjoy Easter with your family. Anyone? You want to come forward? Bless the young man. Bless his 